Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MikeFChen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021, and yesterday was Black Monday for college basketball. And what Black Monday is, is, well, let's put it this way. There are days of seasons, particularly right when it is over, where coaches get fired. And a lot of coaches get fired. We actually saw a little bit of both sides yesterday, actually. We saw a coach get hired inside the Big Ten, but we saw more than a few coaches get fired in the Big Ten. We also saw a coach get extended in the Big Ten. So it wasn't completely black for some of the Big Ten coaches, but overall, especially in the world of college basketball, it was pretty dark. Pretty dark for the coaches. However, before we get into that, let's get into a little bit of football news, and that is all coaching, uh, except for one little note, NCAA. Uh, Wisconsin loses their running back coach, John Settle. He is moving off to Kentucky. Um, And this, to me, is an odd situation. Uh, He's only adding on the title of special teams coach is settled and money is right about the same. Um, you know, just a little bit of added responsibility, but uh, in my estimation, you're looking at a coach that has a running back room that has been really, really solid for a very long time. Although Kentucky's had some pretty good running backs as well. Let's be real here. But, when you look at the programs, uh, you're talking about a, a Big Ten program in Wisconsin um, that challenges in the West pretty much every year. Uh, obviously, last year was a, a trying year for Paul Christ's squad, but for the majority of time, they're, they're Big Ten West competitors. They're right there. Kentucky, they play in the SEC. They're not going to really sniff much Uh, you know Kentucky is I think their ceiling in that conference is eight and four Uh, and and when eight and four is your ceiling that's a that's a difficult place to move to in a move that is not an upward rising move this is a parallel move there there are no uh, you know that there's no opportunity for settled to move up. I mean, yes, he's becoming special teams coordinator, and special teams, in my estimation, are extremely important and extremely underrated. However, it's just, it seems weird. Uh, maybe he just didn't like what was going on with Wisconsin. I don't know. I don't know. But either way, Wisconsin loses their running back coach, John Settle, to Kentucky. Speaking of running back coaches, uh, Liddell Betts officially got named Iowa's Running back coach, we went over this yesterday, so we're not going to harp too much on it. However, there was also another coaching announcement made by the Hawkeyes yesterday, and that was offensive line coach George Barnett. There was no smoke about Barnett being the guy for Kirk Ferentz, but he is. And although Barnett's coaching career has had a lot of smaller stops to it, 
the important part here is that he's a Harry Heastan protege. If you don't know who Harry Heastan is, Harry Heastan was a longtime offensive line coach, uh, most recently of the Chicago Bears, but for years and years and years, he was Notre Dame's offensive line coach. And he is well regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, regardless of what level, whether it's the NFL, whether it's Division I college football, Division II, Division Three, whatever. Harry Heastan is looked at as one of the best in the country. And anytime you're getting a guy like Barnett that has learned from Heastand, in my estimation, it is a good thing. It is something that will be a benefit to your program. So uh, this hire by Iowa of George Barnett, in my estimation, very significant. I think he's going to do a fantastic job for the Hawkeyes. So the NCAA is going to meet again. And uh, as of yesterday, uh, it was exactly a month until their current dead period was set to expire. There's some really good news coming out of that front yesterday as it looks like the NCAA will be recommending that the dead period be finished on the 15th of April. So that's when it's supposed to be ending. That's why you're seeing a lot of recruits go out and start locking in official visit dates. The 2021 class, no official visits. The 2022 class has been held back and has not been able to official visit and won't be able to until the NCAA lifts that dead period, which obviously is due up in a little under a month now. This, I think, is the right thing to do. Like when the NCAA extended it about a month ago, I was very harsh on them because in my estimation, they've had over a year to figure this out, and they haven't. They couldn't find a way to help the student-athlete, which to me is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I think they could have very easily figured out a way to have a student-athlete and one of their guardians, whether it be a mother, a father, an uncle, whoever, go to campus, get a test, test negative, go ahead and do it. Because right now, every single school in D1 across the nation is testing on a regular basis for COVID-19. Why can't you add in a couple extra tests here and there? Now, I think that limiting the Official visits would have been more in line. Only one visit at a time, which, yes, is a little bit odd because in the past, obviously, we've seen multiple athletes on campus with other athletes bonding, creating that friendship. Because, hey, look, you're you're talking about spending three to five years with a certain amount of guys. and 
yeah, you, you want to make sure that those guys fit what you're looking for and, and fit your personality. And you, you make friends during that. I, it, it just boggles my mind. But the end is near. It looks like when the NCAA reconvenes after the Final Four, it looks like the dead period will be done. Finally. Jeez. I feel bad for the recruits. I really do. And especially as a guy who is a scout for recruits and talking to them over this, especially here in Illinois, this very, very long off season. I mean, these young kids, so many of them, there are a few of them, a few of them that, that have started to get those offers to come in, you know, but the smaller level offers, I'm talking about guys that are power five type recruits, potentially uh, guys that, you know, maybe played in the Mac, a, a little bit smaller FCS, but those guys still should be deserving of those offers and they're not getting them because coaches don't have that updated film. And on top of that, they can't see them. These coaches haven't seen these players in over a year and a half. Coaches haven't been able to get in the road. So now everything is going to change. You're going to see a whole hell of a lot more offers getting tossed around. I really think so. All right. Let's get into Black Monday for the college basketball. We'll start off with an extension, and that is Iowa and Fran McCaffrey. They extended McCaffrey through 2028, which after what he has done this year, uh, and I don't think it's just this year. I think you have to look back and, and look at the body of work that McCaffrey has put together. It's been impressive. Even without a National Player of the Year candidate in Luca Garza, Iowa has traditionally been a very solid team. Very solid. I think this year is obviously, uh, in McCaffrey's tenure, is, is the best team that Iowa has put out there. But even before this year, they've been a very solid program. And there's not a lot of, you know, there's, there are plenty of people who aren't fans of McCaffrey, uh, especially his personality and kind of the way that he handles himself sometimes, especially in press conferences when, you know, he kind of blows off reporters because they're just doing their job. They want answers. They're, you know, as a reporter, you're supposed to ask tough questions. You can't just give up softballs every time. Yeah, you're going to throw those up there so they can hit home runs with answers. But you also have to ask the tough ones. That's part of the job. And for him to kind of you know, give you the cold shoulder sometimes, I'm not a big fan of that. And I think that that's where a lot of the consternation in McCaffrey comes from. But either way, he's going to be around for at least seven more years. Uh, and you have to wonder, is this uh, you know his swan song? Because um, McCaffrey is getting up there in age. He's starting to you know, kind of uh, get to the point where maybe he grooms a predecessor because that's something that Iowa likes to do. They don't really like to cycle through coaches. I mean, look, Kirk Ferentz has been there forever. Gene Fry was there forever before him. They don't really like to have that coach carousel. 
They like to pick a guy and ride it out. And uh, we'll see if McCaffrey does that. So that happened early in the morning for Iowa. A little bit later in the day, I don't know if this was planned or not, but center Riley Mulvey, 6'11", 230 pounds, committed to the program. Offers from Penn State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and a few others. Uh, Mulvey's looked at as a three-star prospect, so it's a, a solid addition to the Hawkeye team. And, uh, you know, in my estimation, you're probably looking at, uh, you know, a guy that probably looked at the program and looked at how Luca Garza went through his career and the progression that he made. And he continually got better and better and better every year on campus and thought, I'm that guy. That's me. I can do that. And uh, I think that Mulvey will end up being a very solid player in the Big Ten. Another coaching hire yesterday, and this one goes to Penn State. And Micah Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury was an assistant at Purdue. And uh, this one I like. I think that uh, Matt Painter runs a very, very good program at Purdue. I mean, look, you know, they, they might be a four seed, but who would have predicted that they would have been the four seed in the Big Ten tournament? Look at what he has done this year. I mean, you know, you've got a very, very good team. Jaden Ivey, Travion Williams, Zach Eddy, very good. Sasha Stefanovic, very, very good team. And, you know, actually, I was uh, doing some reading over uh, the, the evening, and uh, I, I happened to see Matt Harms' name. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, Matt Harms. He transferred out. That's another big man. And although I don't, you know, now that I kind of, we've seen the season play out, you wonder, you know, did Harm see the writing on the wall with Zach Edney coming and, and him most likely getting less minutes? Well, I don't know. It paid off because BYU is a five seed in the NCAA tournament. But anyways, Sandy Barber, she said this during the season, that they were actively looking. And then as soon as the season ended, they were going to be quick with the decision. Well, they were very, very quick. Now, the real question is, is is Shrewsbury going to continue to coach? And I didn't see anything on this, and I looked. Is Shrewsbury going to continue to coach through the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is, is that I like this hire for Penn State. I think Penn State needs a guy that's going to develop players. And that's what they do at Purdue. They're not a team that goes out and gets these high-level five-star guys and, and, and has that kind of impact right away. What Matt Painter's program does is they get guys who aren't viewed as highly, that fit their program, that fit their system. Get them on campus. Get them to work hard. Have them get better every year. You see that gradual progression until they are big-time players. I like this hire. I really do. I think he's going to do very, very well at Penn State. And even this year, you know, Penn State was competitive. They might not have had a great record, but Penn State was an extremely competitive team. And I think that this is a, a big-time hire. I, I like this. I really, really do. Minnesota, 
this one, not a surprise here. Richard Pitino is out. I think that what Pitino had to do this year was make the NCAA tournament. Back in January, when Minnesota was on their little run, doing well, performing at a high level, I actually thought that the chances of them retaining Patino were very high. I really did. And this, uh, you know, is not a surprise. I think that a lot of people saw this one coming. And, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate for Patino. He's been there, I believe, uh, eight years, nine years. But when you look at the overall success that Patino had, it just wasn't enough. It really wasn't. Uh, they ended up paying $1.75 in a buyout for Patino, so they move on. Speaking of buyouts, Indiana has got a big-time buyout because Archie Miller got the can yesterday, and Archie Miller was signed for, I believe, four more years through 25. And the buyout is massive. $10.35 million. That's a big buyout. And this one, I think that you kind of saw the writing on the walls as well. At one point in time, Miller had the Indiana program really trending in the right direction. But recently, his failures to get to the NCAA tournament, even with a solid team. I mean, he had one of the best players uh, in the Big Ten, and Trace Jackson Davis. And they couldn't find a way to get to the NCAA tournament. Recruiting has been a little bit down in Indiana as well. And the way that the Hoosiers are funding this buyout, at $10.35 million massive buyout, is through private funding, which, a.k.a. my estimation, is boosters. The booster says we've had enough. We don't want Archie Miller there anymore. And the way that they did that was with their pocketbooks. They said, here's some money. Get his ass out of there. So that is gone. Gone, gone, gone. So that was Black Monday in the Big Ten. It wasn't so black, was it? Not really. Not terrible. I mean, you know, the, the guys that got the can were guys that we kind of thought that we were going to get it. I think immediately after you know, uh, uh, Indiana lost in the Big Ten tournament, there was already chatter that they probably were going to move on from Miller. Uh, I think that we knew that, you know, Patino missing out, regardless, I guess that uh, he needed a, you know, to win the Big Ten tournament in order for Minnesota to get into the NCAAs. You know, if Patino had done a better job midseason, he'd in my estimation, I think he'd still be at Minnesota. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so there's two vacancies currently for Big Ten teams. That third vacancy, which was Penn State, filled very quickly with Shrewsbury. And Fran McCaffrey is going to be in Iowa for another seven years. Not bad. Not bad for... Big Ten coaches. Uh, one other note on the basketball side of things, and that was at Nebraska. Unfortunately for Fred Hoiberg, he really hasn't been able to do much early on in his tenure. Uh, they've struggled on the court. They've struggled recruiting. 
And not only that, they've struggled keeping their players. Because yesterday, two, two players, guard Elijah Wood and forward even, and I'm going to butcher this one, OU Grago, have both entered the transfer portal. OU Grago uh, was a sophomore forward. Uh, both of them uh, you know, were bit players in the program. But that's telling to me that the guys that are not major players in your program that are, that are moving on, that, that don't want to work hard and don't want to be there, that's the key. You know, if you're, you're looking at a guy that's a bit player that, that is a project that's going to need a couple of years to really go through the development and they're not willing to stick it out, it tells you a lot. It really does. And I think Fred Hoiberg's going to be in trouble. I think he is. And we'll see how this turns out. But uh, in my estimation and for what, Nebraska is looking for it. Look, I, I don't think Nebraska thinks that they're going to win Big Ten championships and national championships and be in the NCAA tournament every year. I don't think that that's what Nebraska is looking for. What I do think Nebraska is looking for is just a solid team, you know, occasionally getting to that 20-win mark and, and making the tournament every couple of years. So far, not so good for Fred Hoiberg and the Cornhuskers. Man, they've got... Uh, They've got coaching names. You know, with Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg, they've got the names. Now they need the production out of both of them. And I think these coming years, for both of them, this next season, for both of them, is massive. I think if Scott Frost struggles again, I think Nebraska is going to be itching to move on. Hoiberg is a year under Frost in terms of tenure. So maybe he gets another year after this one, but I think it's a swing year. I really do for both both coaches, both big coaches at Nebraska. And that will do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Once again, I appreciate the listen. I'll go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. I'm, I'm ready to reviews and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Tuesday, Big Ten fans. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.